Welcome into the Inside Bassmaster Podcast presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company, episode 151. Actually, I take that back, Kyle. We're off to a great start. Episode 152 of the podcast. We wrapped up the opens with the last podcast episode, and now we're putting a button on the Bassmaster Kayak Series, the Yamaha Rightwaters Bassmaster Kayak Series. They finished up their season just a few uh, weeks ago in the middle of all of those. You had the Nation wrapping up. You had the Opens wrapping up. College Bracket was just before that, and then the Kayak Series as well. So the tournament season, we've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, uh, it's basically done. We have the team championship left, and we have Redfish Cup later this week. So you're on the road, headed to Redfish Cup now. I'm in the I'm in the uh, in the house getting ready to do live this week for it as well. But ending kayak series on a good note. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't know how many times we've said this, but uh, <laughs> naturally, I don't think there's ever an end to this. This uh, this stretch of like nine weeks or whatever it will have been after the Redfish Cup uh, has has stressed my brain to the maximum uh, limit. I believe not not necessarily from traveling or you know one specific thing, just constantly always being on top of the next thing that's just kind of the way this uh this sport is and that's how bass is and and we stay on top of it and it's a it's a lot to handle but yeah like you said uh, uh exciting to get the kayak season over with um you know not not for the sake of just getting it done but you know a very unique tournament to end the season a few down the stretch that were really interesting um i just remember seeing on the schedule the last kayak tournament being in two things one in october and two in Pennsylvania in October. And I was like, what is going Who on Who knows? Here? Yeah, it could like, be snow sledding. Just, yeah, that's what I said. I was like, man, that doesn't seem right. And then, you know, getting to see the coverage from Marxist Narrows and see it all go down on Bassmaster.com, I was like, wow, that actually looks like really sick. That's a, it's a really cool place that I didn't know much about. And obviously later on we'll get into that as well. But, but yeah, some great tournaments down the stretch to uh, finish off the season in the kayak series. I love this time of the year because all of these different trails that are not the Elite Series are determining classic spots. Some of the final classic spots of the year are determined. We whittle that down. Also, I love this time of the year because we're hot in the middle of the NFL. Uh, baseball's at the tail end, so now we can finally pay attention to what matters, the, the end of the playoffs. And then the NBA is starting, and we still have fishing going on, college football, everything's going on. And so before we get in our first guest of the day, Michael Cates, who is the Possum Kingdom winner, I got to give some love. The defending NBA champs, 1-0 last night, opening night. I'm happy about that as a longtime fan of the Nuggets. And you're, you're sporting the gear, too. It couldn't have been perfect, more perfect. Texas Rangers in the World Series. So uh, it's a good time to be Ronnie Moore and Kyle Jesse, I guess, in terms of all sporting events. We're getting a little bit of relief from tournament coverage, and we get to enjoy, I think, with Razorback football, the Arizona Cardinals, and my <laughs> ECU Pirate football, I think the Nuggets' win has broken, like, three months where neither none of my favorite teams have won so i'm all about it well that's what i'm hoping for as well obviously i've been a i've been a lifelong texas rangers fan like i, I told you this like as soon as i met you i think outside of like razorback sports it's the only other sport that i'm like incredibly passionate about um like keeping up with and, and have been my whole life so um you know since 2011 it's been real tough but I mean, you know, 2015 and 16 obviously had some good seasons. But uh, as far as making deep playoff runs, it's been since I was, you know, before I was even in high school, it's like ninth grade, eighth grade, you know, time frame. So uh, super exciting. And like you said, for the lack of success, all the other teams I root for are having, especially just Razorbacks, you know, football. Um, 
it would definitely make up for it. I would trade a Rangers World Series for like six seasons of bad Razorback football. Like, and I mean that. I do not like. I I, I have not to this day. I have not like been able to like get past the 2011 World Series where the the Rangers blew it in uh, in Game Six. So uh, if the Rangers can pull it off, uh, I think that will make up for all the the uh, bad you know bad football we've had to watch for Arkansas. Well, let's just go ahead and add in our first guest of the podcast for the Kayak Series, Michael Cates. Uh, not far from where your Texas Rangers play, Arlington, Texas. A little bit west of there was where Possum Kingdom was. It was the fourth stop of the season. We already did Gunnersville, the Kayak Classic at Chickamauga, and then we had Hartwell in the past podcast. And now we've got Michael Cates on for his Possum Kingdom victory. Kyle, like we mentioned, first guest of the podcast, Michael Cates uh, from Texas. We're going to the Lone Star State, and that was where the fourth stop of the kayak series went this year, Possum Kingdom. I just love saying the name of that lake, Possum Kingdom, Possum Kingdom. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, it's in that it's in that Fort Worth metro area, a little bit west of there. And Michael, word through the grapevine is you have great success there. I'm not going to call it luck because when you do it more than once, uh, it ends up being a trend. I heard Possum Kingdom has been pretty good to you over the years. It has. I I like that lake. It's good. It's full of fish, one thing. You know, it's absolutely full of fish, so it makes it a little easier to target bigger fish, you know. Not worried as much about just getting a bite. Well, and I was going to say – oh, go ahead, Kyle. You can, go ahead, Ronnie. Go ahead. I, okay, so the details of your win for the viewers at home, this was back in June. So you're part of the Winning Ways mm -hmm. episode. We haven't forgotten about you. We waited for the other two events to be done. We do three winners in the same mm -hmm. episode. You won with 210 inches. You had 109 inches and change on day one and 100 and change on day two. Tell me what that to you equates to pounds and ounces wise for everyone else because 110 inches is a, is a really good day. Was that anchored by a really big one, or did you have uh, all pretty similar fish? Yeah, they were all big fish, man. Every one. It was a. I had one real big one, which was a. It was a two footer, twenty four inches. Wow. Then I had all of them within twenty to twenty two. Every one, man. They were all just about the same size. I went through a lot of fish to get that big, though. You know, I probably caught 40, 40 probably forty both days. To, to get that you know cold up that many times i think it would probably be close to 55 pounds wow in a two-day tournament man gosh that is that is incredible pretty so close probably upper 20s and then mid 20s uh for day two so that's incredible mm -hmm. yeah it was amazing it doesn't happen often like that for me <laughs> so let's set it up obviously ronnie mentioned this tournament was in june of course uh, post-spawn you're talking about texas it's certainly warm by that time um just mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about one the lake itself because it, it's not a lake that i think a ton of people are familiar with uh just from the lack of national you know big tournaments there uh previous to the last couple of kayak tournaments there so set up the lake for us kind of what it's like as far as like comparability to and then uh you know the kind of the stage of the fish we're in during the tournament well it's a uh it's a riverine lake on the Brazos River system, but we don't have our rivers don't flow much here, so it's not like what are other parts of the country where we have flow. But it's a rocky lake. Uh, the upper end is a little bit turbid. The lower end is gin clear, ten to twelve feet. And I was in the middle, the middle of the lake, and it's a, a very popular recreation lake. Docks everywhere, big boats, water skiers, you name it. And uh, at that time of year, I 
I'd actually never fished this part of the lake before the week prior to this tournament. I was a, yeah, some, it was right within the on limit. When we got, came off limits, I went and uh, I picked it because uh, it's postponed and it has huge flats. There's three big, huge flats in this little area. And uh, so, man, it was, uh, I actually found those fish the, the week before the tournament six days before the tournament i found them and they they hung around the whole time they were just on the edge of uh on the very edge of some flats that uh dropped you know went out to slow taper to like uh, 40 50 feet and i found two steep spots where it tapered a little faster and that's man that's where all the big ones came from two casts i had two casts i could make and catch a big one that's kind of the perfect storm. We know we see that in some of those East Texas lakes, some of the West Texas lakes, and obviously Central Texas, but then also the Tennessee River. You get those offshore places. So you you explained the flats out to deep water. Uh, and then when I was researching about your victory, it said a Carolina rig, which is a great bait for slowly dragging, probing offshore cover, and then a 6XD. For one, the first thing I thought about was how difficult is it to sling a 6XD and get it down to the depth you want while in a kayak, managing boat positioning, wind. Mm -hmm. You've got it, it's hard enough sometimes making a good cast with a crankbait to that depth, uh, you know, in a big boat. So in a kayak, was there some difficulties? And had you gone through some other baits and realized these were the best two because I could be precise with casts a lot easier? Through, uh, I love deep cranking. All my best memories of my life when uh, I've had unbelievable days was just deep cranking. And uh, I quit when I went from a boat to a kayak for those reasons you just listed. I couldn't. You, it pulls the kayak to you. You can't get any depth. But now I have spot lock, man. So I just spot locked and threw out the back. And uh, it was, uh, I mean, I had to go through too many fish with a worm or a Carolina rig to get a big one, but the bigger ones would eat the eat the crankbait more regular. That's that's why I chose it. And at the end of the about you know last two hours left in the second day, my hand was just so cramped I couldn't throw it. That's when I started dragging, and they were biting every cast, man, right to the end. It was amazing. <laughs> Michael, you mentioned obviously you went from a boat to a kayak just kind of wondering from your perspective one you know how long you've been in the kayak you know kayak game and, and especially in tournaments and then two just what the growth has been like just even just from the last handful of years that i've been you know closely paying attention to it it seems like it has grown so much could could you just speak to that any yeah i think it was 2000 and uh summer 2012 i sold my boat and got a kayak immediately and uh it was just a little I just got something so I could get on the water. And uh, sure. I think the year, sometime during that that next calendar year, somebody talked me that I've met through the kayak world, talked me into fishing tournaments. And, uh, man, it, was, uh, it wasn't that big at the time. I was kind of late to the show. It was starting to grow, but I was kind of late to the show. And then uh, within that next five years, man, it's uh, – it just blew into what it is today, and it, I don't know if there's any end inside. It's still growing. I mean, I could fish a, in in my state. I can fish a tournament every weekend of the entire year if I want to. I'm going to one this weekend, you know, and I think every state's like that that has 
has bass. It's amazing. And you know, I'm going to tell you, whenever I fish boat tournaments too, man, and uh, whenever I do the math, my net's a lot better out of a kayak. The money is, the money, I mean, it's not a hundred thousand bucks, but the money's good where it, you know, the bank account justifies it for sure. Well, especially if you're as good as you are. I mean, uh, trophies over your shoulder. For me and Kyle, no tournaments justify spending the cost. But for, so <laughs> what was, doesn't matter for us. <laughs> oh, man. So what was it like for you to have such a big day one? Do you know, were you in the lead on day one and how big of a lead? And then on day two, did you think at any point you might have given it away if they're biting right up to the last second? Did you wish, man, mm -hmm. I wish I had another hour or if they're biting here, they've got to be biting elsewhere for other people right up to the buzzer. Well, I was in the lead by a significant margin on after day one. I mean, I had my best kayak tournament day in my life. I hope I was leading, you know, and <laughs> yeah. it was a significant margin. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, they sent the camera boat to me the next morning. And uh, at 10 o'clock, I didn't have a bass, man. They were, and the day previous, I was I stopped fishing by 9 o'clock. I mean, I had everything I had by 9 in the morning. So I was starting to sweat it a little bit, and uh I finally gave up on the spot, man, and just went to go get a limit. Well, I was ended up catching a limit by uh, right at noon. Just a, a, I was in the lead, though. My wife told me later I was in the lead, but I didn't know it at the time. So I had a small limit, and then I went back to the spot, man, and it was every cast from noon to three. Uh, I mean, literally every cast I'd catch a, catch a fish, a good fish. And I'm not even sure this – it was happening so fast. I'm not even sure I put my five biggest ones in on day two because <laughs> I had so many pictures, man. I couldn't, and I was running out of time. I was sweating, you know, and I haven't even looked, went back to look, but I had like 40 pictures of fish that all looked the same from that afternoon, man. And it was hard and no that, cell service. That's crazy. So no cell service. Uh, the process. So walk us through the process. You, you're a 51 year old man. Maybe, maybe for the 21 year old anglers that hatched, you know, just the other day, it might be easier to keep track tech savvy. What's that process like of finding the fish, catching the fish. Now you got to get it in the boat, put it, put it on the board, do all those things. So tell me your process of that. Are you a guy that enters them as they happen or all at the end of the day before, you know, the deadline of entering. I think that's like, what is it, an hour after the tournament's done that you can enter your fish by yes, before sir. they're DQ'd? So, yeah, are you a wait till the end of the day guy and surprise everyone on there, or are you a, as it happens? Well, typically I am. I wait, but uh, this uh, – I, I entered my fish at like 9 o'clock. I was done fishing that first morning at 9, so I went to the middle of the lake where I could get some service, and I sent them in, and I <laughs> – this I had one bad pitcher and he DQ'd me on one twenty-two incher. Dude, so I'll go back across set up on my spot. First cast I catch a twenty-two incher to replace it. It was just I knew then it was just it was too much, man. That was just too much. But I typically do like to wait till I at least get a good limit, you know, a decent limit, and then I'll go and that gives me uh the rest of the day if I mess something up to try to do something. But like at that lake, I couldn't uh Man, it, I caught fish to the end, man. I couldn't uh, couldn't stop and go. I had to go a long ways to get self-service. I couldn't do it. So the last, second day, I had to sweat it, man, at the end, you know, trying to get self-service and all. Steve, yeah, I had to be catch, back in an hour. 
yeah, can I just FaceTime you, Steve, and you can just see these as they happen live? Because I it's just going to be too much to put them it in. It was too much, man. It was the silliest thing ever. It never happens like that. I, I'll never see another day like that in a tournament. It just didn't happen that way. We get days like that here, but not in a tournament, you know. There's there's something glorious about that. Like, you imagine your best day ever. You mentioned that first day being, like, you know, your best day out of a kayak you'd ever had. Like, set that up for us. Like, first thing you roll up, is there, like, one specific intent where, like, you just know, one, it's going to be on, and two, you have, a like, a real shot at winning this thing? Like, walk th- walk through that situation with us when you when you get to the I'll, spot on day one. I'll tell you exactly what I knew, man. When I knew it was going to be a banner day. Uh, my first cast, I got a backlash, and I dug it out. My next cast, I missed the mark. The next, the third cast, I catch one. The fourth cast, I catch two. The fifth catch, I catch two on one cast. And I knew, I knew <laughs> then it was just, it was two. It was, and they weren't very big fish. But then I had another one about. It was a four pounder or so, and uh, he had the back hook. So on the on that plug, and I pushed the button where I wouldn't pull the hook out of his mouth. He dives down. He gets real heavy, and a seven-pounder got on it, and I couldn't get him up into the net, man. Yeah. You know? it was just, that was all within 15 minutes, and it was just crazy. Well, if we ever have a Bassmaster Classic at Possum Kingdom in the month of June, like we did with Ray Roberts just a few years ago, I feel like people are going to refer to this podcast and be looking for that magical spot. <laughs> uh, so what has this win done for you? Had you fished Bassmaster kayak events yet? I know there's a lot of different trails that have opened you know, this sport up to bigger proportions, but is this the mm-hmm. first Bassmaster event you had fished? And I don't want to be incorrect here, but do you get to fish in the classic for your victory? And if so, like, does this, what's this win been like for you? Uh, obviously the payday is good, but just the opportunity on the, on the Bassmaster like platform. Well, I got a blue trophy, man. I never, you know, since I was a little kid, I'd like those blue trophies. So that's, I mean, that in and of itself is awesome, but I did qualify for the classic and uh, I fished a uh, classic before too. I mean, not the classic. I fit the Bassmaster uh, series before one one time. I have a hard time traveling because of work. That's my thing. Otherwise, I, if I could afford a, a week, a month, I would do it, you know. But I, I am qualified to go to uh, it's 10-killer yep. this, this March, and I'm looking forward to that. I'll, I'll be there. Lord willing, I'll be there. That'll be awesome. What do, you, uh, what do you what do you do for a living, Michael, if you don't mind me asking, unless you're in the Secret Service and then just don't don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. Uh, I uh, I do air conditioning and heating work. I got a business and nobody does work when I'm on, so I got to stay around, you know. I like having a house. I have both of us do, no doubt. Even though I I guess the <laughs> the bank owns my house, but I just I just they let me stay in it, you know. Same. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it is. That's the American way, man. Last last question I got for you. Obviously, you talked about Ten Killer. Um, not too awfully far away from you obviously they're in oklahoma how much prep have you done for that and uh do you plan on going up there any you know to to scout the lake around or what's that looking like for you yes i have a plan to go uh sometime this winter just to go look at it i uh i mean really i mean i like cranking man and i think that's what it you know i'm a flipper a dragger and a cranker and i think if it's in the bushes it'll it'll be okay or if it's not i'm gonna you know, just grind the crankbait off, build off of the crankbait and see what happens, man. 
obviously not not giving away any information here, but I, I've had the opportunity to fish Tin Killer a lot, <laughs> yeah. having went to school in, in Fayetteville, and that is a really, uh-huh. really fun lake. And I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what you guys are capable of doing there. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. In my research, I didn't realize uh, how prolific the bigger smallmouth are, man. I thought a smallmouth was a bonus, but it's the other way around, man. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, that's something I don't get much of, you know, smallmouth fishing. There that are some be... good ones. That is for sure. Michael, before we let you go, can you give us a rundown of what your kayak setup is? Some guys have multiple kayaks for based on the body of water, but if your banner days mm-hmm. are all offshore, you might have a nice platform. So what's what's been the, the bet? Have you switched since that original 2012, and what's your progression for your your rig and setup and, and kind of, I guess, how many rods you carry with you, stuff like that? Well, uh I my kayak is a native thirteen, native Titan thirteen, thirteen point five, whatever. It's the biggest, widest, stablest kayak they make. It's not very fast, but I have a, a XI three trolling motor with spot lock and all that on it. So, and it's wide, man. I can take a lot of stuff, and I usually do. I usually got a dozen rods, and that's about my limit. There's a dozen, but on those good days, like that day, I'd only have four or five because I already especially on day two, you know, those are the good days. But unfortunately, I uh, generally carry the kitchen sink with me. I'm well, going Kyle, there. I, I was, it's a lot, man. It's too much. Well, Kyle, we'll know at the, uh, every competitor will now know after this podcast, if Michael rolls up to Tin Killer on, on, for the classic and he's only got three or four rods, they better watch out. You know, I hope this. that's the case. That would be, <laughs> be nice. Well, Michael, we appreciate you joining us, man. Congratulations on your win. We hope to see you at the the Classic. Obviously, all of us will be there. We'll have the whole – we just had a meeting today. It is October Mm -hmm. 25th, and we had a meeting about where we're setting up the Bassmaster Live set in Tulsa there for the Classic at Grand. So we'll get to roll you through the stage as well, hopefully on that final day for the Kayak Series, and uh, that'd be great. But appreciate you joining us, man. Congrats on your win at Possum Kingdom. Thank you. Thank you for the time. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Awesome. One of our champions, Kyle, we know how hard it is to win a Bassmaster tournament. He's got his blue trophy. Uh, so huge, huge accomplishment for Michael. And Man, best day of kayak fishing ever, best day of fishing in general ever. What do you say, 55 pounds for two days? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, when he said that, that made me like stop for a minute. I was like, good grief, that is destroying him. Um, and there's no question. I mean, obviously, it's not – lake fork it's not just you know toledo bend on the the line there are so many lakes in texas that have the capability of doing that um i have tons of friends in the dfw area that fish and things of that nature so they uh they all say that it's not easy but you know you find one of those magical spots on really any of those lakes it seems like it's you know you're capable of doing that but uh that's crazy just to find that one spot that obviously uh had them loaded like that that's uh pretty phenomenal i i I imagine that was that was complete chaos if i had to guess of every lake that we've ever had tournaments on in general like any lake that there's been a bass tournament on people will say you should have a classic here you should have an elite here you should have a classic here and you get dms of it it's like when you coming back to gunnersville it's like we're here every year like what are you talking you know like (laughs) but the one overwhelming lake that i get in my dms that is like you guys need to come and do a big time bassmaster event at I mean, I get Texas team trail picks. I get local tournaments from people is Possum Kingdom. That is the most DM'd uh, deal 
about it. And so, um, you know, who knows in the future what it could hold, but that is a, a fantastic body of water. I can't wait if we have live on there for three or four days for me to say possum kingdom that many times. I think I had Greg Hackney derailed. He said, I just want to know, was there a bunch of possums around? How did it become the kingdom of possums? He said that on Bass Live on FS1, and we got derailed for about 15 minutes on the name. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of my best friends, and you know, uh, Sam Metters, uh, you know, was my fishing partner in college. He used to bring it up to me all the time. This was even before I had ever even heard of the lake and kept saying possum kingdom. I was like, what is possum kingdom? <laughs> and then now, obviously, to see where, like, from the time we were in college and he was telling me about it to now it's like well it's it's gaining some traction quickly that's for sure that's hilarious yeah uh and now kyle we get to change gears and now we're headed over to pennsylvania and the susquehanna river i don't want to pronounce the q too much we'll have to get the locals up there we don't want to get them mad susquehanna the susky as people call it and we've got uh somebody who was kind of factored and and expected and favorited to possibly win that event. Josh is joining us today after taking the title uh, at that event. Josh, can you hear us? Yeah, how are you guys doing? We're doing good. First thing I got to ask you, man, got to ask you, say your last name for us, because I've been avoiding saying it on the podcast this whole time. I said, yeah, you know, Josh, our guy is coming up next. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, So it's pronounced shrimp. Oh, sorry. Getting a call here. Uh, you guys still there? Yep. Oh, sorry. I lost you on the video here. Um, sorry. Uh, so my last name is pronounced Shrinko. So you can imagine I got all kinds of terrible nicknames uh, in <laughs> high school from that. So, um, but yeah, like Shrinko, like it's spelled with a C-H though. So, yes. So, yeah. Well, Kyle, one thing we know is Josh didn't live up to his last name because he had the most inches when it came to the Susquehanna <laughs> River, the final stop of the Yamaha Wrightwaters Bassmaster Kayak Series presented by Tourney X. I got a feeling, Josh, that this was up in your neck of the woods, that you were somewhat of a of a favorite. You had been there before. Um, and to come to fruition and win and to do so, I believe, with pretty consistent days. Tell us about your week there. Yeah, so um, it's not in my neck of the woods per se. Uh, I actually live in Indiana, so I'm I'm quite the drive from the Susquehanna, um, about nine hours to be exact. So, uh, but I am a a little bit of a smallmouth guru, I guess you could say. Um, you can see I'm in my office right now. I own a company called Achigan, so we're the official brand of smallmouth bass. Um, so. I'm like, and I host a smallmouth podcast, so I'm kind of like known as like a hardcore smallmouth guy. If it's a largemouth, like I'm, I'm throwing it on the bank. Um, oh. <laughs> um, but no, I, in all seriousness, I, I, uh, I just love smallmouth fishing. So um, I had been to the Susquehanna uh, quite a few times because it's like the Disneyland for smallmouth fishermen. Um, if you guys haven't been, you should definitely go because it's one of my favorite places on earth. So it'd been the third time I've been there this year. So, so yeah. The nine hours is getting shorter and shorter every time you go, it seems like, cause you're visiting <laughs> there, but Kyle, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, that was the one thing that like, you know, kind of threw me off is, is I'll, I'll be completely transparent in the fact that I didn't really know much of anything about the Susquehanna. Um, 
and I didn't really know what to expect. But then seeing the photos and seeing, you know, some of the stuff Marcus Cisneros put on Bassmaster.com, I was like, this place looks like it was built for kayak fishing. Um, and what I mean by that is like, you know, obviously we go to some of the places, the the bigger lakes and fishing out of a kayak may not be necessarily a big advantage, but it seemed like that place was just built for kayak fishing. Uh, so explain to me, you know, what that was like. There's obviously a lot of current kind of set up what it was like fishing there for our viewers. Yeah, the Susquehanna words do not do it justice. It's like this place that until you go, um, you just can't like fathom what it's really like it's you know it's been described as like a mile wide and a foot deep which is a pretty good like concise way to put it like through the main stem it literally is a mile from shore to shore so it's like St. Lawrence width type of thing you know it's like huge width you know you can barely see across it um and but most places you can jump out and like wade like in the middle of the river so there are obviously spots that are, you know, 10, 12 foot deep, but like average depth, it's, you know, similar to, you know, like Okeechobee or something, you know, it's like just really, really shallow, like throughout, there's really no, not a lot of deep stuff. Um, it's, and it's got a lot of current. So it's, it's, you know, it sets up, I, I would say it sets up, you're fishing it kind of like a huge Creek. It's not really what it is. Like it's sure. this huge Creek and there's, you it, when you first get out on it it's like it's similar you know like i said okeechobee but like any any place like like that has a ton of cover you know like any all those like you know cypress tree lakes down in louisiana and that like where it's like you look and everywhere it looks like there should be a fish you know sure. this is what this place looks like it's like there are boulders everywhere there are runs everywhere there are uh, islands everywhere there's grass everywhere and to be honest like there's pretty much fish everywhere you think there will be fish. There are so many smallmouth. I mean, if you don't, if you go there and you catch less than 50 a day, like you're probably not doing something right. Like it's just a ton of big smallmouth. So it's, like I said, it's one of the coolest places I've ever been. So the visual that I get from it, Josh, is I used to go from, Florida where I was born or North Carolina where I lived most of my life we'd go up north to Maryland to visit my grandparents and we'd get on this place called Harper's Ferry which is like West Virginia Virginia yep. Maryland Virginia and it's the Shenandoah yep. River but I used to think yep. it was the Susquehanna River but it looks very similar every turn that you see there's just rapids there's boulders and so yep. how with with such a vast place but all similar depths and things how does someone go about choosing a spot, especially in the boat you guys are given or, or use you, the equipment that you have? It's not like you can just pick up and go like, you know, 20 miles to the next spot. There's got to be a lot of strategy involved in selecting a portion of the river so you don't spend most of your time behind the steering wheel of your truck uh, or trying to troll against the current if you've if you've headed somewhere you shouldn't have been. Yeah, man, it, it's tricky, you know, because I, I do, I fish, I have a jet boat that I fish out of a lot. Actually, the last couple of times I went to the Susky, I've taken my jet boat and uh, that's a lot better because you can just fire it up and go somewhere else. A kayak, it, you know, you're, and I don't, I don't, I don't fish with a motor in a kayak. So I'm like, I have a inflatable Hobie. So I'm like pedaling everywhere. <laughs> and 
um, you know, I, no electronics, nothing like that. I'm just, you know, I got something really light that I can kind of portage and take where I want. I can throw it on top of my forerunner and head over to another spot. Um, as far as like where you fish there, you could have won that tournament in any given stretch. Like it, it isn't a place where like, oh, if you know this like secret place, like, oh, there's all these big fish. It's like anybody could have won it on any given stretch. There's it, there's just so many fish in that river. It's insane. Um, but you kind of have to like break it down. I try to break it down kind of like a lake and just say like, okay, I'm going to concentrate in this particular area and like figure out um, in the fall specifically, you're trying to figure out like what, where these fish are kind of at in their migration. So they're, they're starting to, feed up for the winter so they're you know they're kind of coming out of those like summer patterns where they're just spread out everywhere and they're starting to kind of bunch up school up um and then they're they're really in prime feeding locations that are usually somewhat close to wintering holes which when i went there the beginning of october i wasn't sure if they'd be doing that or not and i found some fish that were like the very first kind of wave of group of fish that were moving into these feeding areas and they were like the biggest they were like the alpha dog fish that had moved into this area and were feeding so that that's kind of how I found the fish and I I fished honestly I fished pretty miserable for two days like I wanted to be out running and gunning and hitting the main river I found a spot where these big fish were I say stacked up it wasn't they weren't they were moving in and out of this area and I basically fished this like tiny little spot for two days which it was it was killing me inside to not be out running around, uh, throwing top water and stuff, but I stuck to my guns and, you know, the strategy paid off. So, so yeah. So obviously you mentioned that, you know, a spot, you know, was kind of important, obviously to your success, but you mentioned that any portion of the river, you feel like you could win. Is it a matter of, you know, was there a, a bait selection you feel like what, what is the difference between catching the, average size fish and the above average size fish at that body water yeah i mean i don't really think it's bait selection per se it's, it's really just where the big fish were setting up and i know the guys that weren't doing what i was doing we we had like a, of course like you guys know tournaments ever fails something always happens between like when you practice and the tournament that like just throws you for a loop. Like it, it never fails. It's never just like, Oh, everything, the weather stays the same and the water level stays the same. It's always something. In this particular one, we had like two things. One, a cold front moved in on day one, like big time. Like it was like, it went from being like 80 degrees to like 60, you know, high, like within a day. And then there's this big inflatable dam on this river, which sounds crazy, but there is this dam that they inflate at the very top of the main stem, and it creates like this lake above the main stem where people can pontoon boats in, and well, at the end of the year, they deflate it to like basically let the fish, you know, migrate up and down that dam. Well, just so happens they deflated it on wow. two o'clock on day one of the tournament. <laughs> So they went from like the, I was looking at the gauges on the, the, on my, uh, the USGS gauges and like, like, man, this, 
something's going on. Like this doesn't look the same. And I was trying to figure out what's going on. You know, when you're like, it's like slowly changing and you can't quite put your finger on. It's like this, something's changing with the spot. And then I finally realized like the river's coming up and I looked at the gauge. And by the time I got off the water on day one, it like almost tripled in flow. So it was like, yeah, it was like pushing a bunch of water and on the Susky when they when you get like a big flush of water like that those fish go absolutely nuts and they were from what i was talking to guys that were fishing the tournament and they were basically positioning all the big fish were positioning on those islands like at the very top of the islands and if you figured that out you were just busting them all day there was one of the guys i was in the house with caught like 80 fish over 18 inches um on the day two of the tournament um so they were just, you probably couldn't miss, honestly. And I was in that spot. My spot was kind of like this very specific area where these big fish were at, but there weren't a ton of them. I only caught eight fish on day one and nine on day two. So I was like, I wasn't catching a lot of fish, but every single one of them were like giants. So that's kind of why. But, and I was throwing big swim baits, to answer your question. Biggest I had in my box. So, so yeah. Uh, before we get into the bait talk a little bit more, because I'm intrigued by that big baits with smallmouth and things like that. Um, obviously something that, you know, people who don't fish for smallmouth wouldn't think to throw, but since you're all about the bronze, you know, you would, you would throw it. So, uh, (laughs) give us, give us the rundown though, your thought process as the end of day one comes to a close, you've had a good day. You hadn't got a bunch of bites, but now this whole change is happening. Was there something in your mind that's like, when the water flow does what it's going to do, they get to biting. I'm either not secure in my weight or my inches that I've caught day one, and I can easily be overtaken by someone's just magical day, or uh, I'm losing confidence in only getting eight bites, and I need to go and jump in with the groups and fish You know, more of the main drag than, than a little spot off of it. So was there some mental doubt there or reassurance based on the household that you're staying in? So I led wire to wire in this tournament. So I kind of was like, I don't think there's any way I could have abandoned that area on day two. Like it just wouldn't, you know what I mean? It's like, if I, if I, if I went back there and I didn't do well, like I kind of was like, I can live with myself. Cause I'm like, Hey, you don't leave fish to find fish. You know, that's like the general rule of thumb. And I had fish and big ones. So I didn't necessarily consider not going there, but what I will say is like on day one, I was throwing like visual patterns where I, they weren't throwing off a lot of vibration. Like the fish were visually seeing the bait and coming and eating it. But by the end of day two, not only the river came up a bunch, but it basically muddied up the whole river. So I went from having like three to four foot of visibility to like, maybe like six inches at the end of day one and like it was getting progressively muddier and muddier but it didn't really muddy up until like the last hour of the day I already had all my fish so it didn't really bother me from that standpoint but going into day two I was like I know I'm going to go back to this spot but I don't think they're going to eat the same thing that they that they ate on day one so I I kind of was like that kept me up at night a little bit, you know, that I was like, all right, what am I going to do first thing in the morning on day two, I'm going to get there. And my kind of test was 
I'm going to put my boot in the water. As soon as I go to my ramp, I'm going to, I'm going to put my boot in the water. And if I can see, like, if I can see my boot, like eight inches into the water and it's still dim, dimly lit, like I'll be like pretty confident in what my plan is. If I put my boot in the water and I can't see it, then like, we're going to have some issues. Um, because, you know, if it gets muddy up to a certain point, like you kind of, it's just hard to like have confidence a fish can even see. You got to drag it right in front of their face. And this area, there weren't like these like very specific targets. I was throwing it. It was kind of a big, big wide area. So I was like, I was having to fan cast this area and I didn't have these like, oh, I knew exactly where the fish were sitting. So luckily I got to the spot on day two and I did see my boot and I was like, all right, let's go. So. Kyle, I've never heard so, someone yeah. do the boot test, but we now know that that's a thing for <laughs> kayak angling. Yeah, yeah for sure, man. So, obviously, uh, Ronnie mentioned that we were going to get ba- get back into the bait talk itself. Said you were throwing some of the bigger swim baits you had. What were they specifically, if you want to get into it? And, you know, how big are we talking? And was it uh, uh, matching the hatch or was it just to eliminate the smaller bites? What was the thought process behind, you know, going with the bigger baits? Yeah. So I kind of heard, first off, I'll say like, I don't, I'm not like a big swim bait guy. Like it's just not like, I mean, I think you're stupid if you don't at least have some and, you know, have used them before, but I I'm definitely in the swim bait culture. Like I got all these high end swim baits. I have one little box that's like not even with my main tackle that I have my swim baits in. And I made sure I brought that, um, but I like didn't necessarily intend on it. I just heard whispers of guys like, "Oh, I'm catching them on this or that." So I was like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna at least bring them." And when I when I got to this area, I kind of approached it from a methodical standpoint. I would fish kind of across this area two or three times, and then I'd switch baits, fish across it two or three times, and I just keep cycling through patterns until I got something that would you know something would eat. And I spent a couple, the first two hours of day one without a single bite. And I ended up tying on a uh, six inch bull shad, which is like, it's the original, you know, resin bull shads. And that's like one swim bait I have caught fish on. And I was like, I know that these things will hunt. So I tied it on and like, I, I smoked three fish like pretty quick on it. So I was like, all right, like I, I, I got something here. I got my fourth fish on it, and then, uh, so it was, like, probably within, like, an hour, I had four good ones, like, real good ones. Like, for boat guys, like, these are, like, four-pounders. Like, these are, these are big, smallmouth. Boat guys. And I love it. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, they go by weight, so I, you know, uh, I probably had one that would have went five in that tournament um, for a river smallmouth. It's freaking giant, but, um, so, I... I was throwing that bullshed and I hooked into what I thought was a catfish. This spot, there's like, that's why there's only big fish in there. There's like huge catfish in that river. There's musky. There's all kinds of stuff. Like this area, if you're like 15 inch small off, dude, you're getting eaten. Like you're not, you're not going to hang in this spot. Well, I hooked what I thought was a big flathead and I saw it kind of swim under my kayak. I'm like, oh my God, this thing's huge. I don't know what this is. Push my button. I'm like letting this thing run and dude a freaking 48 50 inch musky comes jumping out of the water like bullshad hanging out of its mouth i'm like 
freaking out. I'm like, oh my God. And the, like, I'm like, the only thing I'm thinking about is like, gotta get this bullshit somehow. I gotta get this bullshit back. And I fight this thing for like five minutes, dude. I mean, it's like just taking me, it's pulling my kayak. I'm like pedaling backwards, trying to like drag. I was trying to get to this little island because I was like, if I can just get to this island, I can at least like beach it somehow. And it um, jumped like a third time and just sliced my fluoro leader, like done. Bullshad's gone. I got four fish. So I'm like, I'm a heartbroken dude. I'm like, Oh my god! I can't. How do I, I have no other draft. swim baits like that? Yeah. How do I make this mag draft jointed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I had some. I had some like big S waivers. That was the closest thing I had. But like a glide bait just doesn't have the same like movement that those bullshads do. Sure. It's it's a lot like bigger. Like yeah. you know that bullshad's got a real tight you know movement to it. So. I was kind of like, all right. So I threw a glide bait for like two hours, dude. I didn't get a bite. So I'm sitting here with four fish. My, you know, bait's gone, dude. I was like, I was a wreck. Like mentally, I was like thinking about if I was even gonna like fish day two. Like I was like, my if I if I go with four fish, dude. Like I'm just I'm gone. Like I there's no way. So I decided to kind of get my wits about me. I pulled off on the island and retied i went through my swimming box and i had a, a mag slow if you guys are familiar with the it's like a mag draft but it's like a little bit different tail got on the, it the, and, got uh, the feather on it too on the bottom yep yeah yep, has the feather on it and um i tied that on and dude it was like i threw three casts with that thing and smoked a 20 so i was like well i got my fifth fish and then i ended up upgrading a couple more times um with that mag draft or mag slow um, which is, you know, that fifth fish was like, dude, it literally was like the biggest sigh of relief I've ever let out in my entire life. Um, cause I didn't look at the leaderboard all day, all day. Like I didn't know what other guys were doing. I, I just knew I had four big ones. And when I finally got that fifth one, I uploaded all of them. And then I was like in first. So I was like, all right, you know, so that was, uh, that was day one. So you guys want me to to stop here or keep going for day two? Well, I, we need to I pause and, ask. and tell Buka he needs to hook this yeah. one up. Buka. Two questions. Have you bought any more bullshit yeah. since? <laughs> and two, if you could say something to that muskie right now, what would you tell him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't have any other bullshits, unfortunately. Yeah, I was going to order a couple. I just, dude. I'm, don't tell know, us it's a money thing. Don't tell us it's a money thing. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. I, I'm more than happily will spend 50 bucks on a swim bait. But um, so the musky thing, dude, would have been awesome to catch. Like I was like, I mean, that was the biggest musky I've ever seen in my life. Like, and I'm not a musky guy at all, but I've caught a handful sure. of them smallmouth fishing. And, you know, the, the musky things like, it was, I was like, oh, this is any other time would have been the cool, right. cool thing. But like right now, like not right now, dude. Like, did you really have to eat this right now? Knew I wasn't get that thing in. If you, it was if so you big. were fun fishing, if you were fun fishing, it'd be like, oh heck yeah, it's a giant musky. Oh dude, <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, this is awesome. And it wasn't just any musky, dude. I, I'm telling you, it was like, like I have a big hoop net that I use. Like a buddy of mine owns this net company. You guys should check them out. They make nets out of uh recycled hockey sticks it's really, oh yeah they're all awesome. gussie posted about broken yeah 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 
um, my buddy owns that company, but he, he had hooked me up with this new brand new net. I just hadn't had a really big hoop on it. And like, dude, I was like, there's no way this thing is not, there's not a chance this thing is going in this net. So I didn't even think of that. It was that big. Like it was tall. It was long. Like, dude, it was a giant. Um, but I, I just knew it was so big. I was like, dude, there's no way I'm getting this thing in. Like it just wasn't happening. Um, so it was just, I was hanging on, waiting on it to either give up or break me off and it broke me off. So, yeah. Unreal. Yeah, go into day two for us, because like we said, you know, you led wire to wire, but there were so many things that changed. You did the boot test um, and then did the mag slow, uh, you know, work for you on day two or did you have to adjust adjust once again? So I actually completely shifted gears on day two um, and it was more like uh, just kind of relying on my experience and um being on that river a few times it there's like two baits on the susky that like have a little you know it's like i i don't know i think uh red crankbaits used to be big on like fork for a long time that was like what guys like you know there's like certain baits on certain bodies of water where guys are like oh yeah i throw the jackhammers or jackhammers and whopper poppers on the susky for whatever reason they have this reputation and i love throwing a jackhammer especially when it's muddy like so it was money. Yeah. Like jackhammers are honestly jackhammers just like big fish baits, dude. They're, they are big fat. They, they just, for whatever reason, big fish like jackhammers. And I had, um, it, there was enough color on the water where I was like, all right, this is like, it was probably somewhere about 10 to 12 inches of visibility. So not like super muddy, but it was like chalk, you know, it's kind of like dirty. And, um, I was like, all right, dude, I'm going to go throw this jackhammer all day. Like, I had my color is, it's hot crawl is what I use. Um, kind of like, um, and I, I, I'm trying to think what I had on the back of it. Um, oh, that new Berkeley, like, Chatterbait trailer. I can't remember what they're called, but Power Stinger. Um, it's pretty big profile. Ha- yeah, yeah, half inch or half ounce jackhammer. But that trailer is pretty big profile. And, uh, dude, I just threw it all day. I literally didn't throw anything else the entire day. And I had five by, like, 9 o'clock. So, like, I caught them pretty early, which was a huge sigh of relief um, from the day before. Uh, but, uh, yeah, jackhammer all day. And I threw that thing, dude. Jesus, I threw that thing. I was – I mean, my arm is – it's still – I'm still having purple tunnel – conditions from that day dude i was throwing it so much um but yeah man it was and they were choking it like when they hit it like it was all the way at the back of their throat all up in that cartilage like it was there was no getting off i did break off an absolute giant the very first fish on day two i i don't even know how my they had 30 pound braid on snapped and i was like oh it was another must my jackhammer hanging out of its mouth so but other than that i didn't miss a single fish which was like that's what always happens to me during tournaments i lose big fish you know it's like every guy knows every tournament fisherman knows knows about that but i didn't lose any fish this tournament besides that one and that's you know every stars kind of aligned so hey kyle you want to go to the susquehanna with me and throw chatterbaits 
<laughs> yeah, no, that sounds like plenty of fun. Dude, one thing one thing I did notice when I read the uh the story about the tournament, of course, when it happened was, you know, you mentioned in there that you're not a big national tournament guy. You know, one, is that just, was it just a decision because it was on the Susky and you wanted to fish there that you know you want to jump into this tournament? And then two, you know, has this, you know, win kind of propelled your thinking to where, you know, maybe take a bigger jump and fish more more national tournaments? Yeah. Um it definitely gets me thinking about it more, especially when you, you know, get a big check and a blue trophy. It's like, uh, I want to do that again. <laughs> but I will say this, like I fish all my locals, like kayak series around here and, and I do pretty well. Like I, I think it's like my fourth win of the year that, you know, from tournaments. And um, I just don't, I own two businesses and I have two girls at home and a wife and like, it's tough for me to like travel to like when I travel I'm usually fun fishing a tournament just takes up so much time sure. to do it right because you have to go practice and then fish a tournament it's expensive you gotta get a place to stay and all that um I fish I usually try to fish one national tournament a year I started that last year so I fished the Susky last year here and it was um I didn't do that well um and I was really salty about last year because I was like I know I'm better than 50th place or whatever I got so this next uh, year I was kind of like I'm gonna go back um, and fish it again and I was uh, I was prepared this time you know I was doing research and I didn't go with a bunch of buddies I went with buddies last time and they were all wanting to fish together and stuff and like in a tournament like you really have to like lone wolf it if you want to do well you can't be compromising your put-ins and your locations with buddies um, but yeah as far as like I would fish more. I'm just not like, honestly, I'm a big lake or I'm not a big lake guy. Like I just, I fish lakes all grown up. I fished out of a bass boat tournaments and stuff grown up and I got into rivers and it's just so much more fun. <laughs> I don't know if it's like, yeah, it's just like, I mean, dude, you're just catching fish and, you know, you getting visual eats all day, catch them on buzz baits and flukes and, you know, jackhammers and stuff like that. Like, I don't want to be sitting in the middle of a lake and 40 foot of water looking at live scope, you know, with the Ned Rager drop shot. Like, it's just not like that fun to me. And there's only so many natural tournaments that are in those kind of places. So the only other one I did think about going to the new river um, this year, I think the Hobie series went there. I was going to do that. And I, I had to pick between the two and the Susky one out. So, so yeah, that's, and I am going to fish the classic, um, uh, so and there is a river that goes into that lake. So <laughs> who knows the level? And think in, I'm gonna uh, late March. We'll see. But yeah, um, what I'll, all I heard from yeah. that Kyle was that rivers are easier than lakes, and he likes rivers. That's all I heard. <laughs> I, that's all I heard. You can power fish all day. You don't have to work hard. You can just yeah. enjoy it and do good things. I agree with you. And us and me and Kyle, the 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 lower unit on my boat, the old lower unit shows that i try to do the same thing you guys do in kayaks but in my bass boat and that's not always the best thing um so uh yeah. tell us a little bit i was no. looking at your instagram account as well the uh about the bronze account and i saw an orange smallmouth can you tell us that story about the orange smallmouth before we let you go yeah uh sort of like a fish of destiny man i'm like you know kind of knows like a the smallmouth guy or whatever and i 
I was out fishing the Muskegon River in Michigan. Um, it's actually a big a guy's fishing for steelhead and and salmon. It's a big uh, salmon river. Um, but I'm like the only idiot out there fishing for smallmouth. So um, every time we're <laughs> we're out there during like a salmon run, guys are like, "What are you doing? Where? Why are you fishing over there?" I'm like, oh, "I'm you know I'm a smallmouth guy." Um, but I had my jet boat there, and we were. Um, first fish of the day man i went out with my brother and threw it was on a buzz bait and i so i saw the fish come up and eat it i was like what in the world is that and i'm like reeling it in and get it up and i it's like dude this is a smallmouth. like i've never seen anything like this before and it it was a uh it had a condition called xanthism which is like a where the pigments turn yellow but because the smallmouth is brown that yellow basically comes out as an orange color and this fish was like the perfect like there weren't a bunch of spots on the stuff it was like one of those smallmouth that are kind of like just straight bronze like sandy so the whole thing was like bright orange and like if you've seen the picture of it you understand it's like it looked like a straight up goldfish like i mean there was no other way to say it like it was like yeah yeah it was wild so i called some buddies of mine uh one of the uh i have a buddy who's a biologist and i called him and sent him a picture of it and he's like immediately like oh yeah that's a xanthistic small one he's like i've never seen one like that he's like it's a one in a million fish so yeah i posted it and ended up you know the local news called me and interviewed me yeah you can tell on that thing it's it's like glowing orange um so yeah it was a cool it was an awesome uh awesome thing um but yeah it's probably just because i smallmouth fish so much it's just a matter of time before i caught some weird smallmouth like that so uh it's definitely cool so that's awesome kyle you got anything for josh before we let him go i do not man it's been a pleasure talking to you it's been a blast and uh once again congrats on your big win and we look forward to seeing you down there in oklahoma yeah if you guys uh want to hit up the Susky for a pleasure trip, whatever, let me know. I'll give you, give you some, some places to go. And let me tell you something. You will not regret it. It is, it will probably be one of the most, most fun fishing you've ever had. It's wild place. So highly recommend. That's awesome. We'll get the real dots, Kyle. He'll send us the dots as long as we promise not to bring a GoPro and we have to only, we have to blur out the backgrounds <laughs> or take, or what I would do is take a good photo where you don't have to blur the backgrounds. I am so tired of blurred backgrounds, but uh, we'll do that. The only other thing I have to ask you, Josh, is I know that we're largemouth guys for the first half of the elite season and then we become smallmouth guys at the end. But why don't you hook some brothers up with some smallmouth gear? If we we have to get in the right train of mind, I'm just trying. I don't know. I mean, throw me a smallmouth hat. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You guys, you guys, send me your addresses for sure. I will hook you up with some Achigan gear. Which Achigan is the Algonquin word for smallmouth. If you're wondering about that, Um, it translates to one which fights. So we're big (laughs) smallmouth guys here. That's what we do. And I'll also send you guys some badass stuff if you send me your address. So. We well, can we do it, man. That's we awesome. can't do a smallmouth right. podcast without having the official gear of smallmouth. So uh awesome, Josh. Appreciate you joining Heck us. Yeah. And uh congrats on your win. Awesome. We'll see you be able, we'll be able to see you at Tin Killer when me and Kyle are both in the Tulsa area for the classic. And uh man, you'll be one to watch as well. So thank you for joining us. Awesome, man. It was a pleasure, guys. Josh Shrinko.
did not shrink at the Susky, Kyle. Took the title, um, and he is the one. He is the last guest of the day to wrap up the podcast for the episode episode 152 of the Inside Bassmaster podcast presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Really cool place. We got some awesome rivers that are featured on some of these kayak events that we'll never see an Elite Series event on. We'll never see an Open and we get to see them because it's a different way of fishing. And I agree. I don't discriminate. I'm just more uncomfortable with maybe fishing out of a kayak, but I don't discriminate against their tournaments because they definitely show us some cool playing fields and some different ways of catching them for sure. Yeah, there's no question. Like I mentioned, like right off the bat in this podcast, like I didn't really know much of anything about this body of water. And then once I started seeing it and seeing, you know, uh, what it looked like and the way these people, these as we're fishing and there's just like golly that place looks really neat and really cool and and you know obviously he did an outstanding job explaining you know what that place is like and obviously being a smallmouth guru like he is uh certainly seems like it fits his bill uh perfectly that's fantastic uh like we said we got knocked the podcast out today we got to talk to michael cates and then we got to talk to josh shrinko we did not get to talk to tyler cole hopefully we'll maybe be able to set that up more in the off season uh, not quite sure what happened there, but uh, glad to have a couple of our champions. We'll get to see all of these guys on the Winning Ways podcast from the first episode we did a couple months ago, this episode, and then we'll obviously in the next podcast episode about the Kayak ser- Series, we will have the three AOI guys, number one, two, and three in the AOI for the Kayak Series this year. We'll get to go and see how their whole years went, but Kyle, appreciate you joining me on the road. We will do Redfish Cup live. If you like species that are not bass and see some bass anglers, tackle them. It's on a familiar playing field, Winyah Bay in South Carolina. We've seen Bassmaster Elite Series events there. We had some guys who were looking for bass, like Justin Atkins, catching. Uh, they're looking for redfish this time, but they're still catching bass. And they're like, what is this trash fish? I'm looking for redfish this time, and I'm catching bass. So, um We'll get to change the gears this weekend. We got two more Bassmaster events, the Redfish Cup this weekend, and then we've got the team championship. So, Kyle, appreciate you joining us. We will see you in the next one, bud.